Hello everybody, you're listening to J Movie Talk, episode 187, as I'll be talking Planet Terror. Spreading. Holy shit. What did you say you got the advice? now. See this? It shows the advanced stages of gangrene and epidermal rot. And this over here advanced shows the rot? swelling of tissues and a lack of any type of circulation. See, you're telling me that you just got this bite? Yeah, just like yeah, a half I'm hour ago. Impact wound with several virals and secondary bacterials, and that by the accumulation of denuded tissue around the incision marks indicates that you had this bite for over 14 days. Uh, uh, at least 14 days. Could that be possible? 14 days? No way. I mean, well, what is today? Today's Wednesday, the 15th of April. Oh, hell, can't I just get a tetanus shot or something? You gotta lose the arm, Joe. Lose arm? What do you mean, lose arm? My arm? It's spreading all the way up to your shoulder. Now, if we don't sever that arm now, it's gonna take over your chest, and we can't very well cut that off, can we? Well, shouldn't I get a second opinion? Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am back and kicking off the new year. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope everyone's having a great year so far Um, in the beginning of this year. uh, And I know at the end of the last episode for 2020, I said like yeah this is what i'll be doing for the month of january it's robert rodriguez month on the podcast um and everything he's one of those filmmakers that i really enjoy a lot um and everything and i don't think that he truly gets the credit he necessarily deserves especially with his at least in the early stages of his career but he was literally a one-man show where he directed, he wrote, he edited, he held the camera. He was his own cinematographer. He did everything. Um, but, of course, you know, as time went on and, you know, he started making a lot more money, he was able to start really, really getting a good team around him and everything. So he doesn't have to do so much of that. But, I mean, he's one of those people that... I feel like he really, you know, he really put, you know, his career on his back and became what he became. And I mean, he has a network with the L Ray network um, and everything. I would like to see him probably do a little bit more movies um, similar to like this and and just, you know, more genre stuff or whatnot. Um I mean, he's always been kind of looked at as second fiddle to Quentin Tarantino um, in a lot of ways. But in his own right, he, he's one of those filmmakers who, like, if, if you're someone who really likes, like, the whole aspect of filmmaking, he's definitely someone that you should check out or whatnot. Um, so, of course, I'm going to be talking about the movie Planet Terror, Grindhouse's Planet Terror. Um, and everything is funny how, you know, Grindhouse, um, it became a thing. Um, it was well hyped when it came out because it was something that had never been done before. No one was, I mean, of course, you know, back in the day you have the double features at the movie theaters, but it wasn't where, okay, we're going to literally make two films and release it as one. You're going to get fake trailers in between and it's going to be this whole big experience nothing like that had ever been done and tarantino and rodriguez you know they decided to do that um i actually went to the movie theater and saw grindhouse um it's opening weekend i enjoyed it for what it was but i don't think a lot of people truly grasped the concept of what they were going for um and everything so of course it didn't you know, it didn't hit or anything like that. And, and so this is the only time you ever got it. And I would like to see, I would have liked to see actually, you know, more grindhouse films, you know, in the same style made, you know, more filmmakers getting together, making double features, other filmmakers doing the fake trailers. It could have been a huge thing. I, I feel like if people would have just kind of, you know, open their eyes. Well, I should say open their eyes, but open their 
mind to this whole concept of what they were trying to go for here. Um, I mean, of course, Planet Terror, when it first came out, was looked at as the better of the two films. Um, and I will say this in the grand scheme of Grindhouse, where Planet Terror plays first and Death Proof follows, Planet Terror is a better watch. Um, when the two films are combined separately, I feel like Death Proof is improved upon because certain stuff get expanded upon or whatnot. And it's just, it's more of an interesting movie as its own movie. I don't think death proof really plays so well as part of the double feature. Um, and everything. And I reviewed death proof, um, a while back. So if you want to check that episode, I definitely could in here where I kind of talk about how I enjoy death proof more as a solo film, more so than a part of the planet terror death proof double feature bill um and everything um so uh before i actually get into talking about the movie of course um want to mention the fake trailer that plays before this movie um which is the movie uh, the fake trailer for machete with uh daddy trejo uh jeff he cheech marin you know they're in the fake trailer and it's basically where machete is this you know assassin we don't know what the true concept is you know he's He's basically set up and everything like that. We don't we don't get like the full gist of what exactly would become the movie Machete, because at this point in time, Machete just was a fake trailer. But because it was so popular, people wanted to actually see Danny Trejo in this Machete movie. We actually got freaking Machete. Um, It's kind of funny, like the two movies that were created from this whole grindhouse um time period is that of machete from its fate trailer and the fate trailer that was done for hobo with a shotgun and that was turned into a movie as well so thankfully because of grindhouse we did get two movies created from fake trailers um and what's funny about it i actually reviewed hobo with a shotgun um sometime back when i did rugger howard month um a while back on the podcast also and i will be doing machete a part of the whole robert rodriguez month so you know what i might actually i might actually do machete next so that way it'll kind of flow with going from planet terror to machete so yeah i think i'll do that um but yeah, uh, I remember when this was shown, of course, like I say, there was no Robert De Niro. There was no, um, there was no Lindsay Lohan, you know, there was no Jessica Alba. There was no Michelle Rodriguez, uh, because there was no movie. It was just Danny Trejo, Jeff Ahe, and Cheech Marin. Those were the three guys that were in the fake trailer and, and everything. And of course it makes sense for Jeff Ahe because he's in Planet Terror. Um, it'd be interesting if Cheech would have showed up in, um, in Planet Terror, I mean, he could have probably played the Tom Savini role or whatnot, or just showed up randomly as somebody. But um, but yeah. So get into what the synopsis of the movie is basically where experimental bio weapon is released, turning thousands into zombie-like creatures, is up to a ragtag group of survivors to stop the infected and those behind its release. I mean, it's a very simple plot um in that regard. And, of course, the movie stars Rose McGowan as Cherry Darling, Freddie Rodriguez as Ray, or L. Ray, Jeff, Bro- Jeff, Josh Brolin as Dr. Block, Marley Shelton as Dr. Dakota Block, Jeff Fahey as JT, M- Michael Bean as the, sh- as, as the sheriff. Um, we get Bruce Willis as Lieutenant Muldoon, even though his name Modoon is never actually said it's just lieutenant is what we actually hear throughout the movie but apparently his last name is Modoon. um Naveen Andrews is Abby uh Fergie shows up um in a small role um I'm trying to think here Tom Savini as Deputy Tolo Carlos Galalada um as Deputy Carlos um we got the crazy babysitter twins of Electra and Elise Aveline, 
Um, we got Quentin Tarantino. He shows up as a freaking rapist, which I'll talk about that character. Because um, I actually have thoughts about that character. Uh, Michael Parks returns as Sheriff Earl McGraw. But he's not really a sheriff here. He's just Earl. But they don't refer to him as sheriff, though, which is um, kind of interesting or whatnot. And that's pretty much your main cast of characters. Um, so the movie pretty much um kicks off with this um this dance by Cherry and everything, which I mean seeing that dance on the big screen and with that music that plays, um it is it, it's a for me it's an iconic uh, moment opening shot and everything like that especially for doing this go-go dance and everything well at least that's what it's supposed to be um and everything oh what now especially as the opening credits play and then after that we see where she's backstage and she gets um talked to by the club owner skip who i like to refer to as fake lance armstrong because that's what he looks like a freaking lance armstrong or whatnot so based off of their conversation she decides to quit and she leaves and while she's walking down the dark road or whatnot she damn near ran over by the military trucks and everything and that's where we see naveen andrews um and everything so it cuts from her and goes strictly to him and they go to this uh military base and that's where we find out where there's like this bio uh chemical weapon that he's trying to sell basically to uh the lieutenant who at first we don't know exactly who it is we just see him sitting in the truck but we don't know who it is and after some back and forth with one of the guys and he decides like oh the dude's a traitor so basically he wants to cut off his balls and everything he basically walks around with a dude who carries a freaking jug jar whatever canister full of freaking balls and everything and so after he cut the dude balls off and take it that's when the uh, soldiers who are basically using this gas to breathe and everything all their tanks mysteriously go down at the same time so that's when the lieutenant gets out of the truck and we're introduced to bruce willis and it's like what the hell is bruce willis doing here because when the movie first was coming out we didn't know that Bruce Willis was in the freaking movie. It wasn't until after like the trailers and everything, the TV spots and everything. That's when you knew that Bruce Willis was in the movie. And he's one of those people they kind of kept as a secret as far as being a part of the movie when the movie start was first being promoted, which in a way it makes sense um, and everything because he's like a secret character um, in the movie or whatnot. And this is one of the, like, because I, I was talking with um, a friend of mine about you know Bruce Willis being like a like a this is one of the last times that he actually cared <laughs> as as an actor now he just kind of goes through the motions and just like like uh yeah I'm Bruce Willis I'm here for a paycheck you know type of thing but 2007 he still cared um I would say that Robert Rodriguez probably got like the last gaffes out of him as far as him caring even though he shows up in the in the expendables and everything but I think as far as him acting and kind of having fun with what he's doing the this movie and sin city are like the last times that he truly cared when it came to him as an actor um and everything and i guess we can credit robert rodriguez for that um but he shows up like a few times throughout the movie of course i'll talk about him later when he when he reappears but we get him in the beginning and basically he's part of the reason why everything kind of goes to hell in the handbasket basically um so after that we were reintroduced to cherry who shows up at jt's barbecue um uh love shack or what a shack or what bone shack is what it's called i'm sorry yeah jt's bone shack and he comes out because that's where we first meet Fergie who shows up and her car is overheating and he's yelling about get that thing away from his pumps and everything because basically trying to blow up the place right um so she shows up and then that's when Cherry shows up because she injured her leg when she basically flipped over in some garbage cans from getting almost ran down by the military trucks so she goes inside um JT and Fergie they have a back and forth he give her a jug of water to take with them and everything and so she leaves and that's when ray he shows up and or whatnot so 
we get this history lesson of Cherry and Ray that clearly they were an idol once upon a time, but they had a falling out and they kind of went their own way. And this, this running joke throughout the movie about she's supposed to be like a stand up comedian and everything, but she's not very funny. Um, but she has like these dry one liners that she says throughout the movie um, and everything like that. Uh, the relationship between Cherry and Ray, it reminds me a lot of the relationship between Jack and Rose from Titanic. And you probably want like, how do you make that? Con- how do you make that connection? Well, Cherry is Rose in the sense of where she, when we're first introduced to her, she's a woman who doesn't really know where she fits um, in anywhere. And she's told like, okay, this is your niche. This is your niche and everything. But she knows she doesn't really fit there. So when Ray comes back into her life here and everything, he starts to give her that confidence that she needs. So by the time we get to the end of the movie, she's this full fledged, you know, this woman that she knows exactly what she is and what she can do. And she's not going to take any crap from anybody. And he's there basically as the motivator for her. And that's why I kind of make that connection between their relationship and that of Jack and Rose, because that's what Jack was for Rose and Titanic. And that's why Jack dies in the end. He, he, he was, he was just there to get her to become the person that she knew she should be. Um, and everything, but I, I like the way their relationship kind of develops throughout the movie and how, how he doesn't take any crap from her. And especially later on, once her leg is gone and, and this, that, and the other, and she's walking around with this fucking table leg and everything. He's like, like stop crying over spilled milk. It's like, she lost a damn leg. It isn't, it's not really spilled milk. She does she doesn't have a leg anymore, but he just like, whatever, let's just keep going type of thing. So, that's their relationship and then we get to another relationship in this movie of that of uh dr block and dakota who are married but clearly there's tension between them and dr block he knows like his wife is up to no good because we find out that she had a previous relationship with that of the fergie character and everything and he knows like she's up to something but he just can't figure it out exactly and we find out that they're doctors they both work at the hospital so they go to the hospital and that's where all these people are being rushed in who are sick either they either they're sick or they've been bitten or whatnot and like all this stuff is kind of playing out around them but they don't fully understand what's going on either and the first sign that of them being completely involved with what's going on is when uh after they arrive at the, at the um hospital uh nikki cat character joe he shows up and he's been bitten on the arm so block he starts like you know checking him over and it's like look you say you just got bit earlier tonight but based off what i'm looking at here it's like you had this bite for 14 days and joe's like huh what like what day is this it's like it's wednesday um and everything and they're all kind of confused about what's going on. And then Block, he comes up with the notion like, look, we got to you got to lose that arm, Joe. And Joe starts flipping out about like lose the arm. I can't lose my arm. He's like, look, the infection is spreading up your shoulder and eventually it's going to take over your chest. And it's like, well, you damn for sure can't cut your chest off and everything. So that's when uh, Dakota is brought in and she basically gives him a set of sedatives and they're all color coordinated and on the red one he falls out or whatnot and i've always wondered exactly where where rodriguez came up from with that and like on the red one she says after this one you'll never see me again which i know at the time people kind of thought like was she killing him or something like that and it wasn't it was just it's the last one that knocks him out it's like the, the first one numbs him the second one is you know the actual sedative and then the third one you know knocks him out type of thing but some people i know they kind of took it as like she was basically killing him or whatnot so after that we get back to um cherry and ray because cherry needed a ride or whatnot so ray's giving her a ride and doing the loan this time 
Fergie had been on the highway. Her car broke down again. She ends up in the freaking in the middle of the road or whatnot. And she's trying to get help. And while she's on the road hollering for help, she gets attacked and she gets killed. And at this point in time, uh, Ray and Charity drive by and it's like, what the hell is that? And that's when Ray going to this whole story about roadkill. People picking up roadkill. What, like an armadillo? Deer. Been a lot of them around here. You know, I read a statistic that said that the eating of venison has risen 30% in the last few years. 60% of that's from roadkill. People eat roadkill? If you're driving out here at 70 miles an hour and a deer darts out in front of you, if you blink or break or swerve, should you just kill yourself? So what do you do? Just pick them off. Just like this. Send it flying away from you. Unacceptable. Not really. It's just a clear case of you or him. Or her. He's saying this. He sees something dart out in the middle of the road. He swerves, flips the truck over. And she gives him this look while they upside down. Like, I thought you wasn't supposed to swerve. And he's like, that wasn't roadkill. And right when he says that, that's when she gets snatched out of the, the truck. And Ray, he goes out there with this rifle. And that's when we see this, like, these two ghoulish looking dudes in, in military uniforms they've attacked her that's when they ripped her leg off basically and after that is when he rushes her to the hospital so one thing about the movie is that all of the stories the little small stories kind of start to interconnect because we get that interaction between ray and dr block you know, because he's like, don't let her down me, Block, and this whole type of thing. But while he's there talking to Block, that's when the sheriff and his two deputies show up. And they quickly take Ray in. You know, he's looked at his prime suspect, number one. And the sheriff, he's like, you know, Ray, you know, you know you've know, you had some problems, this, that, and the third. It's like, but now here you are in the hospital talking about someone with a, with a, um, with a girl with a missing leg. Like, what's the deal here? Like. Clearly, he, the sheriff thinks that he's done it. Michael Bean just knows that Ray has done it. And what's funny about um, that is that throughout most of the movie, up to a certain point, Ray is looked at as a suspect. Even when things become clear, like what's really going on, like no one wants to give Ray a gun for whatever reason, which was kind of funny to me. Um, Speaking of Freddy Rodriguez, uh, around this time, I would say... This was like his run that he was in because he was in this. He shows up in Poseidon. Um, he shows up in the the movie about uh, Robert Kennedy, Bobby. Uh, he was also still on Six Feet Under. He was showing up in a lot of stuff around this time, and I mean he had a he had a nice little run, even though he had been acting for a number of years. I mean, of course, he was in Dead Presidents and. You know, he shows up at the beginning of uh, Payback with Mel Gibson in, in different movies like that. But I would say, like, doing his Six Feet Under run. And if you've never seen the show Six Feet Under, I do recommend it. It was a great show that was on TV. And he played a mortician in that or whatnot. Um, but during that time period, he, he really was showing up in a lot of freaking movies. I always hated what happened to his character in Poseidon. I felt like it was... It was some crap, but um, but that's for another day, I guess. Um, but yeah, he was really having a really good run. But then after, it's like after this little run, he disappeared for a while, and then he shows up now on the TV show. I believe it's is it Bull? I think he's on. I mean, I haven't looked it up. But I believe I know he plays a lawyer. I think it's on Bull. I want to say it's Bull. But um, but yeah, he had a decent run here in two thousand seven. Um, and everything. He's always been a good actor to me um whatnot but i guess he for whatever reason i guess the movie choices that he was making and showing up in just wasn't clicking and everything so he ended up going to tv i felt like i felt like if his movie career probably would have continued the way it was going it well, i should say if he had more hits at least as far as movies go he could have easily had the career that michael Pena is having right now um, as far as being a part of like the Marvel universe or whatnot and, and things of that nature, and just showing up in like some high profile movies, um, and everything. But 
I mean, everything happens for a reason, I guess. But um, but anyway, so continuing on, we go back to JT's because for whatever reason, JT's Bone Shack seemed to be the place where everyone kind of meets up at. Um, even though like they interact throughout the course of the movie, but everyone actually meets up at JT's later on in the movie. And it's funny watching Jeff A. He played his character because literally throughout the whole movie, all he cares about is his secret barbecue sauce and how he can make it p- perfect and everything. And like I say, Jeff A. He is one of the standouts in this movie because of the fact that with everything that's going on, people are dying, um, and everything he gets attacked by a couple of um, zombies and everything but all he cares about is his freaking barbecue sauce and just to make it perfect even when he after he gets shot later on in the movie all he cares about is his secret recipe um so we go so okay so the fact that cherry and ray have an interesting relationship where it seems like as the movie progresses their relationship gets stronger we get that of Dr. Block and Dakota where their relationship completely, you know, goes into shambles and everything because we find out that, well, I should say Dr. Block finds out that Fergie, who her body is one of one of the bodies that's brought in and everything. So he calls in Dakota to show her her dead body and then he takes her off into another room and he finds out that she's been secretly messaging her the whole night because basically her plan was uh, Dakota's plan was was to leave him take her take their son and leave with Fergie or whatnot and and what's funny about this is that Dr. Block he was planning on killing her even before you know we fully realized like there's a zombie outbreak and everything so he was basically a, a madman anyway because like you was gonna kill your wife because she was gonna leave you like there's no wonder she was gonna leave you because you you you're a nutcase um and everything even though you're a doctor he was a, like right when he was about to kill her and everything that's when the corn uh, uh the emt he comes in it's like dr block you gotta see this so he takes uh dakota locks her away in a room and they go back out to where the dead bodies have been brought in and they're gone and he's like what they just get up and walk away and then do like points to the floor and see what they literally have been dragged away so something clearly a lot of craziness is going on in the hospital but no one is really focusing on what's going on in the background and that's what's interesting about this movie is that after you've seen it a few times and if you kind of pay attention to what's going on in the background it's kind of similar to like Shauna did like there's so much stuff that's going on in the background that if you stop paying attention to the foreground and see what's going on, there's a lot that, that's happening. But the characters, the, the characters that's in the foreground are not paying paying attention to what's going on in the background until it's too late. So another person I want to talk about is that of Thanos himself, one Josh Brolin, who I even kind of was thinking about, like he was kind of on some Thanos uh, stuff in this movie. Um, where he basically had it out for Dakota the whole time, and that was his mission was to get Dakota, even after he himself gets turned into a zombie. He just kind of pops in and out of the movie, even though he was promoted as being like one of the main stars of the movie. But Josh Brolin is really not in the movie that much, and it's funny because in two thousand seven, another movie that he was a part of which was no country for old men was getting a lot of buzz and play or whatnot so his focus was more so on that movie but at the same time he did help promote uh grindhouse planet terror and everything so he 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 had fun with this movie you can kind of tell he was having fun with this movie and i know it's like in the theatrical version he doesn't get a lot to do um but in the dvd version um and everything he gets a little bit more screen time and has a little bit more to do um, or whatnot. But it would have been interesting to see him like as more of a character than just to kind of just pop in and out of the movie and have this whole rivalry with his with his wife, basically. Um, or whatnot. Like I said, I would have liked to see more of Josh Brolin in this movie. So we go to the police station where 
Um, the sheriff, you know, he's basically interrogating Ray and this, that, and the third. And that's when we see Earl McGraw. He comes in for like a few minutes. You know, and Michael Parsons is, is great. I feel like his best role might just be that of Earl McGraw, which is probably why they brought him back. And it's never explained, like, how exactly is he here when the first time we saw the character, he was he was killed probably like five minutes after we saw him and from dusk till dawn. And so the first time you see the character, he's killed. But then he shows up in Kill Bill. And it's like, hmm, okay. And then a few years after Kill Bill, he shows up here in Planet Terror. So it's like, okay, Earl McGraw is like one of those time jumpy characters, I guess. Uh, universe jumpy characters. Because he basically connects the whole universe of, I guess, Tarantino and and Robert Rodriguez. Because he shows up in both of their universes. And their universes in a sense. Um, or maybe he's part of the multiverse, you know, like Spider Man, the multiverse. Maybe he's like that or something. I don't know. I, I don't think it's ever been fully explained, like how he's able to appear in in their universes like that, but he does. Um, it's funny too because he shows up, he's he's here in Planetary, but he's also in Death Proof as well. So it's, it's interesting. And so does Dakota and, and, um, and uh, son number one um, also shows up in in Death Proof. And that, that is the first and only time where the entire McGraw family is together in one little scene um, and everything. But anyway, while they're there, that's when Deputy Tolo, played by Tom Savini, he comes in. He's ranting and raving because his finger's been literally bitten off and everything. He can't find his ring. So... Deputy Carlos goes outside trying to find the guy who bit his finger off or whatnot. And while they're out there, that's when Carlos gets attacked and gets killed or whatnot. Freaking Tom Savini gets side body slammed into a car. Mysteriously, it doesn't get his back broken or anything. It doesn't die. But he crawls around and gets his wedding ring. And then he gets pissed off and he starts killing zombies. And sheriff Hagee, he starts shooting because these all of a sudden these zombies start coming out of literally nowhere and now he has a revolver but but mysteriously he never stops and reloads this thing has an infinite uh ammo reserve apparently uh even though it's a six shooter but just apparently just keeps click click clicking and it keeps firing uh which is kind of funny so we get that whole standoff and then you know they end up leaving there because at this point in time it's unavoidable of what's going on it's like it's a mass zombie attack at this point and now it's just the point of survival and and ray he has to go get cherry um everything that's his main thing so we go back to the hospital and while we're there that's when dakota is trying to escape because dr blockhead gave her had shot her with a few of her needles before he was able to give her the last shot of the red needle so she's basically numb and she can't really do anything but her hands don't really work so but she's stumbling around and she gets to a car and she manages to get in and drives away and as she drives away that's when ray and the sheriff and everybody shows up or whatnot uh to the hospital so it's like people like kind of weaving in and out of each other's stories in, in, in this movie which is one thing i like but um i do want to talk about Marley Shelton, who she's always been one of those actresses who I felt like she's a very good actress. And here she does a lot of physical stuff just from like the physical thing where most of the movies where she has like numbness into her limbs. So she's basically like flopping around and, and just like the physical stuff that she would do with her hands and like how she is almost like a like a marionette doll where she's like on strings. That's how it looks with like how she flops her hands around and stuff like that. And I've seen her in a lot of stuff. Um, of course, the, the cheerleader movie is probably one that always kind of comes to mind. Uh, Sugar and Spice, where it's like she should have been a bigger star than what she is. I know she shows up at the very beginning of Rampage with The Rock. And I always kind of make the joke of if if Dwayne Johnson and Naomi Harris if their characters were not the stars of the movie, she could have been the star and so could have Joe Maganella. But because you have The Rock and you have Naomi Harris's characters, 
her character gets killed off basically after surviving this this uh spaceship attack from this giant rat um or whatnot which i would have i would have liked to have seen that freaking movie right you know a giant rat uh, on a space station in space who wouldn't want to see that going on a rampage right um so she dies off quickly in that movie and everything but she shows up in a lot of movies i mean i think i believe she's coming back for scream five because she played the deputy in that so she's coming back for that um but yeah she's always been one of those actresses who for me from a talent standpoint she's very good but for whatever reason her career never like blew up it's like unless you're someone who watch you know movies and know who she is you really don't know who she is um which is crazy because of how good of a actress she is like i say anyone if you've seen this movie or if you haven't seen it and when you check it out just pay attention to like the stuff that she does in this movie it's like i don't know too many actresses that could have pulled off what she pulls off i mean she could pull off the comedy she can pull off the the drama she can pull off the action when it's called for all in this movie and and everything but for some reason she she just never like blew up like that um and everything so we go back to the hospital and ray he goes in and this is when we start to see like the the badass of of ray or whatnot because i always love this tracking shot of from behind of him as he's going into the hospital and he's you know battling these these zombies um on his route to rescue cherry and when he finally gets inside he noticed like there's clearly there's somebody underneath the underneath the sheet laying in his bed he thinks that she's dead and then he pulls it back and he realizes like she's there and she's crying or whatnot and then that's when the whole thing about her missing a leg and stops crying over spilled milk so they eventually leave um the hospital and everything like that they get into his truck and they drive off and it's funny like her trying to like run along with the truck to get in because the leg is the table leg is like giving her trouble and then she finally jumps inside the cabin she's like it's splintering it's like well you just leave just just leave it alone you know just stay and it's just like stay he's like yeah baby stay which is kind of it's a double meaning behind that you know and everything but but yeah i always enjoy like what their characters and everything just the interaction between the two of them so after that we find out this is what we find out that dakota is earl mcgraw's daughter because dakota had went back home to get um her son tommy who are being babysat by the crazy babysitter twins and everything they're on the couch they're doing each other toenails they're on the phone talking to somebody going on about you know her name one name being Electra, the other being elise and this that and the other and she, one of them is like ah, you can call me whatever the hell you want and everything so cherry show i mean not cherry but um dakota shows up and they get pissed with her it's like hey your friend never showed up we got shit to do we can't be watching your kid all night so she was like well get to doing it so she kicks them out of the house literally um and everything and then she gets tommy who decides to get all of his uh little pets and everything it's a turtle it's a scorpion tarantula put them all in the same freaking tank and takes them she's like we can't take all of them what did i tell you so they go outside and get in the car and while they're in the car tommy's like did you get my, is my pocket bike he's like it's in the trunk and right when she says that her windshield gets hit with a damn shovel because you get these two crazy girls come back i guess they were pissed off so they come back they attack her and everything so she takes off driving leaving them and they one that was on top of the car does like a backflip off of the car they get up and they start chasing her down the road and everything it's like who the hell are these two crazy girls right um and everything and that's when dakota ends up going to a house and everything and she gives Tommy this gun. Now, why does she give Tommy this gun? I have no clue. And everything. And she tells him to be careful with it. And as she gets out of the car to to go inside, the gun goes off. She goes back to the car. Tommy then shot himself in the face. And it's one of the saddest, but also kind of funniest thing too, because it's like, why would you give this kid a gun? And he's literally pointing this thing in his face. But it's like, why would you give him this gun? type of thing but while she's kind of mourning the loss of her son that's when 
old good old Doctor Block shows up, and because he had got turned at the hospital after the whole thing with Joe, because the last time we saw him before he was turned is where Joe was supposed to be getting an arm chopped, cut off, and everything. And while everything kind of going to hell in handbasket in the hospital, Doctor Block he goes by and he see he notices like there's blood on the curtain, so he pulls the curtain back, and that's where Joe had killed the surgeon. And everything and he comes to attack him with the with the saw and whatnot but the saw gets unplugged right before he gets sawed in the face so joe zombie joe at this point he takes off like some pus or whatever off his face and he smears it on dr block's face and that's the last time we see him until this point where now he's been turned into a zombie but he's not he's not a brain dead zombie he's more of i'm a zombie but I'm still me type of thing. And they never really explain like, how is it that some people are affected by becoming brainless zombies, but others are affected by just becoming zombies. They're zombies, but they're still, you know, themselves in, in a sense. It's never explained like that. Um, one of the best ways to kind of describe this movie too, is that it is for me, at least it reminds me a lot of the old, um, zombie, well, Italian zombie movie of uh, nightmare city where these people literally come off of this plane who have been infected and they just attack people and it just becomes this whole madness in a way. Henceforth, why it's called nightmare city. Uh, that's basically what planet terror is in a sense. And the way Dr. Block looks, he looks like one of the characters from nightmare city um and everything if you've never seen nightmare City, i do recommend checking it out it's a pretty good uh italian movie and it's funny that the name of the main star of that movie is actually hugo stiglitz which if the name hugo stiglitz um sounds familiar just look no further to quentin tarantino's inglorious bastards of that of hugo stiglitz so while dakota is trying to get away from dr block and she and everything she grabs because she has Tommy's dead body at this point, and she goes and knocks on the door, and that's when the door swings open. We find out that it's Earl McGraw, and he's like, "What is you doing here?" And she's like, "Daddy," and then he looks behind her and realizes like there's a horde of zombies. Like Brian's like, "Oh shit!" So like, get your sorry ass in here, <laughs> you know type of thing. Then he slams the door or whatnot. Um, so after that is where everyone eventually ends up at jt's because that's where the sheriff takes of uh, the survivors from the hospital they all go to jt's and of course he's worried he's like something isn't right it's like jt generally comes out and greets which from the few times that we have seen him anyone who comes up down there by the gas pumps or whatnot he does generally come outside to greet them so yeah something has happened since the last time we saw him, which the last time we saw him was after he was on the phone with the sheriff and everything. And there were these two zombies outside and he gets off the phone and he's like, it's like, are you going to stand there and watch? Or are you going to come inside and eat? So they rush inside and that's when they see where JT is laying on the floor and it looked like he's dead, but he's not dead because he springs up. Apparently he just passed out and it was actually freaking, um, it was just, uh, some sausage and some barbecue sauce all sprawled on top of him how the hell he ended up like that i have no idea because the dog is licking him and everything um so he wakes up he realized like yeah he had passed out and whatnot so and he had killed the two zombies and whatnot so everyone kind of regroups here and then that's when we get this scene between cherry and el ray in jt's um jt's bedroom where they you know hook up and it's almost reminiscent of the scene from the first terminator movie between um kyle reese and sarah connor and even the music is the music cues for that is very similar um to that whole thing and while they're actually in the process of making love that's when you notice that the film reel starts to slow down it kind of buffers a bit and then the scene it it explodes and it comes up with missing real because that's what used to happen with a lot of those old grindhouse movies. They they were played so much and that the film would be played and worn so bad that literally there would be scenes missing and it would jump, you know, like fast forward in time in the movie and you just lose in movie that you didn't know happened. So that's to kind of keep that tradition of going. 
they actually do that here and and i know that it's discussed like okay well what exactly is missing and everything but from the movie standpoint we know that there's something missing but from how robert rodriguez did it there's actually nothing missing um they just skip ahead they they don't film he didn't film what happened just basically what happens is that they were planning to leave they go outside you know they were swarmed by the zombies in the process of all the madness oh stupid deputy tolo shoots um the sheriff by accident and that's how he gets shot in the neck and at the same time earl mcgraw and and um earl mcgraw dakota the crazy babysitter twins skip and a bunch of other people show up at the shack and but it's also never explained too, like how exactly did the shack end up on fire or whatnot we never noticed but that's what happens and while they're inside they they basically have to escape to get out of there so they all band together to leave um cherry she goes down to get the truck to bring it like crashing inside so people can get in jt takes some people in his car and that's when dakota takes um ray to her car and there's a freaking pocket bike that's in the trunk because that was mentioned earlier and ray decides to ride off on the pocket bike which is the funniest thing ever here you have this this grown man riding on this mini bike and he's leading the pack and apparently this thing goes from zero to 15 in four point something seconds but apparently it's as fast as a a a, a truck and two cars and a motorcycle apparently um or whatnot uh which is interesting so as they're trying to flee the town and everything that's when they get met, met by a horde of zombies that's literally just standing on this bridge waiting for them guarding this bridge in a way and they stop and i guess right before the zombies are about to attack that's when the zombies get mowed down and that's when we get to see bruce willis again so he had been missing for like a chunk of the movie and he comes back here and basically take all the survivors to the military base from what we saw earlier in the movie and they're basically all kidnapped now but what's funny about it is that all the survivors get put together in one place and then these two soldiers come in wearing masks and they decide to take cherry and dakota away and that is where we get to see Quentin Tarantino makes his appearance as this rapist dude. And it's funny when they're in the elevator, he takes off his mask so you know it's him or whatnot. And he's talking to Cherry and he's like, you know, you look like Ava Gardner and this whole type of thing, which in a sense, she does kind of look like Ava Gardner. And it kind of made her up to look like Ava Gardner a lot um, and everything. And just the way this this tarantino character talks to cherry i i don't i didn't necessarily want to go here with this but he he kind of comes across very much like harvey weinstein and i know it's kind of crazy to say that when i'm talking about in regards to rose mcgowan because she was one of harvey's victims and everything like that but just the way he comes across and what's going on here just how he's forcing himself onto her or whatnot it does give us off weinstein type vibes and everything and it's just like uh whatever but i mean he does get get his come up and because as he's literally trying to force himself onto her he starts to fall apart literally and his, his dick and everything is falling apart um or whatnot and this is where it's funny that they use the Tarantino character to be the one who really get um, to really get Cherry to become, you know, the the badass that she would be here. Because as he's like literally f- melting and everything, that's when Ray shows up. Ray and Abby, who we find out that's what happened. To Abby, Abby was kidnapped by the military and put down in this holding cell, also so they show up and they basically kill the other uh guards and everything and that's when ray is like i made you something it's like well when the hell you had time to make this machine gun leg um 
basically so he gives it puts it on her and he's like i do believe in you because like early in the movie is like believing in her and type of thing he's like i do believe in you and i believe i want you to be the best and you know and everything like this and it's like that's when she gets the confidence so she goes over and she shoots the hell out of him tarantino killing him knocking him through the door and then she goes inside and kills the three guards that's inside or whatnot and that's when cherry becomes the full-fledged badass that we that we that you see from the trailer or whatnot um and one of my favorite scenes is the scene when they are trying to escape and abby he gets his head blowed off because he's peeping around the freaking corner just get a missile blow to it so so cherry she springs into action and it's funny like the moves that she does as she's shooting with his machine gun leg are the same stripper dancer moves that she does in the beginning of the movie in the opening credits or whatnot it's just funny like these dudes get handled by a stripper well go-go dancer <laughs> with that's doing stripper moves basically um and everything but it's funny like that um rose mcgowan in this movie she is she's very good in the movie um and everything and i mean she's always been a good actress of course she you know now she isn't so much acting anymore um because of everything that happened with weinstein or whatnot and her basically kind of losing her way um or whatnot especially with the whole me too movement thing that was going on which i won't go too in depth about um or whatnot but in in this movie and it's funny because she's one of the, the few actors who shows up in both planet terror and death proof um playing two completely different type of characters um or whatnot but here i, th- I think she's better here in planet terror because she's given a lot more to do necessarily of course in death proof she's basically she just in the wrong place at the wrong time as far as a character but here she she's like the main character to some degree uh ray for the most part is kind of built up as the main character but she is the sarah connor of this movie you know where she is when the movie first starts is completely different than where she ends up being in the end and everything so like i say she becomes this badass and let's say she she does a really good job here um i would give her that she she's the standout because similar to marley shelton she does a lot of the carrying of multiple things she she's good with the action she's good with the comedy she's good with the drama um aspects of the characters uh, so she does some heavy lifting in this movie also um or whatnot so as they're basically about to escape from from the uh military base i mean of course at this point jt and uh the sheriff basically have been shot and because we find that they're brothers and everything like that and there's a line early in the movie where jt was like i wasn't i wouldn't give you the secret to my recipe if if i was dying in your arms foreshadowing basically because they literally stay behind to die or whatnot and as they're waiting to die in a sense that's when jt starts giving his brother his recipe i was thinking we could build us a new place right there where the old one was you cook i work the back you don't make that rent so goddamn high you share the recipe we share the rent Start at 250 at least. I knew it. For how long? 12 pounds. Sure. 12 pounds, 12 hours. Wrapped in tin foil, right? I don't use no goddamn foil. Damn. Tomatoes. Fresh. Canned. No shit. Yeah. Score me some. Oh, yeah. Because we're brothers. Thank you for this. You just remember, you got to take this recipe to your grand. I think I can goddamn guarantee that.
and it's a sad moment. I mean, of course, it's not really supposed to be looked at or taken too seriously, but it really is where you literally have these two brothers who kind of been bickering for most of the movie. Then they, of course, they make up and everything, and they're literally dying because both have been shot. JT got shot in the stomach, and of course, we know the sheriff got shot in the neck, and he's been slowly dying ever since. But the fact that they're together and and the fact that he dies in his brother's arms is kind of sad. And he, you know, detonates the thing because that's what gave them the opportunity to actually leave or whatnot. But, um, but yeah, as they're about to leave or whatnot, this is where Ray, he gets shot and he is laying on the ground dying. And Cherry, you know, comes to kind of console him or whatnot. She, of course, she makes the joke about people eat roadkill around here. And he, she lets him know that she's pregnant. And it's like, well, how does she know that he, she's pregnant? Because this is all from one night. So how the heck would she know exactly that she was pregnant? But whatever. Um, so we find out that she's pregnant and, you know, this, cause they had got to the helicopters or whatnot. Uh, cause matter of fact, uh, we get one last standoff between Dakota and, Dr. Block, who mysteriously was waiting in another helicopter and they have a standoff and Earl McGraw, he shows up and shoots the hell out of Dr. Block, killing him finally. And it's funny because Earl, he's like, you know, I never liked that prick <laughs> with that. And so it's like the the family relationships, you know, start to basically reconcile at, here at the end of the movie. Characters that might have been at each other's throats you know, when we first introduced them by the end of the movie, they've reconciled and everything because of the serious nature of what's been going on. But as they're leaving in the helicopters, whatnot, that's when Cherry, she, cause Ray, he dies and there's like reach up cause they let down a rope and she's pulled off into the skies, which a great shot too. So the movie basically ends like on a happy note to some degree where Cherry is now like the leader of this, you know, of this group of people and we kind of see like some of the survivors who we've been with for since the beginning of the movie, you know, because basically what they've done is push themselves, push their backs to the ocean to defend themselves against this um, new zombie world, basically, um, and everything. And Cherry gets an upgrade from the machine gun to a freaking mini gun leg now. And, and she's had the baby and the movie ends with, the baby on her back and they just kind of looking off and it's supposed to be like a happy ending to some degree um or whatnot so that's the movie uh death proof uh death proof that's the movie planet terror um and everything uh i i really enjoyed watching this movie again um i haven't watched it in a while like from beginning to end but i did enjoy going back and watching it for the podcast um it's just a great movie to me it, you're not supposed to take it too seriously all of the stuff that's in the movie, the mistakes and everything are there on purpose. So it, you can't judge it like that. So in that regard, I have to give it a five out of five um, and everything. As far as my favorite characters, there's actually a few. Um, Freddie Rodriguez's El Rey is one. Um, Cherry is another one. Dakota is, is a favorite. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of it's like everyone really does a good job in this movie. There's no character performance that stand that stands out in a bad way. Um, everyone because everyone knew exactly what type of movie they were making. So again, you can't really say, well, were they not supposed to be acting like this or vice versa, you know, type of thing. So you, since you really can't judge it like that, I mean, pretty much all the characters are my favorite because everyone bought into the type of movie that they were making. Um, so that's pretty much it. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, I will be back continuing on with Robert Rodriguez month with uh, Machete on the next episode. Uh, of course, you can find me on the Twitter at JMovieTalk. Um, of course, you can find all of the Movie Talk episodes a part of the TV Zone Podcast Network on uh, our host site. Of course, it's Anchor, but you can find us on whatever platform that you listen to your podcast on, whether iTunes, Spotify, pod chaser you name it we're out there so you can just type in tv zone podcast network and it'll come up with movie talk as well as all the other shows that are part of the network 
Also, if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that, suggestions for movies, you can email me at jmovietalk at gmail.com um, or whatnot. And also, if you listen to us on iTunes, please leave us some uh, reviews or whatnot and, you know, some give us some five-star ratings because it, you know, actually gets the podcast uh, out there more um, and everything like that. So, again, thank you guys for listening, and I will be back next time. Peace. Thank you.